I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. This is our third episode of The Scouting Notebook. Uh, as always, Nate is in the co-host chair. Nate, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing well, Doug. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And one of my favorites, Ian Cummings, joins the show today. Ian, how are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just finalizing some uh, reports today ahead of the Senior Bowl. So just uh, business as usual, really. Are Are you heading to the Senior Bowl? Yeah, I'll be there, provided I test negative for COVID, which I've been I've been holed up in my house writing scouting reports and watching tape for like weeks on end. So it should be fine. Should be fine. But uh, th- that's the that's the big test. But once I get past that, going down there, going to see these guys in person. And I got to see them in person last year. It was a lot of fun. So excited to uh, do it again. What will be it's it's an incredible lineup for the Senior Bowl this year. Uh, all the quarterbacks will be there, yeah. uh, minus Corral, right because of the injury, but he yeah. was going before that. Uh, it's been fascinating to see what they've been able to do down there just with the amount of talent that they bring in. What are some of the things that you'll be looking for from the quarterbacks while you're down there in Mobile? What what can a quarterback do down there to, like, you know, help solidify his stock for the guys? You know, because by this point, we've broken down the film every which way mm-hmm. to Sunday. Uh, so what can the guys do down at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, so there's not a ton of like broad scale things that they can do down. Like you, you talk about like guys need to improve processing or like pocket maneuverability. Like it's such a small snippet of time that you really can't see long improvements on that. I feel like most of it's going to be cosmetic. Uh, obviously, there's a few questions with guys like Carson Strong with his knee, Kenny Pickett with the hands. Seeing that in person and how they handle NFL balls, that's going to be big. But I think for a lot of NFL teams, it's really looking at the physical traits. Do those pop in those drills, like the arm strength to get it to those uh, receivers on those out routes, you know, the the timing, building chemistry with your receivers. How quickly do you do that? And then off the field, too, how do you interact with a new group of people? You know, if you're a team trying to invest in a quarterback, the off field is just as important as the on field. So I think seeing them in person, how they interact with teammates, how they lead their new teammates, that'll be big, too. So I think that's going to be a big one. And I could see a, a quarterback like Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter, guys who not a lot of people are consensus consensus high on, you know, but they have the physical traits and the high character. So all it takes is winning over one NFL team and we could see them going higher than expected. It's going to be a really interesting process. But um, I feel like cosmetically, you know, how they lead, how they interact, and then, you know, just kind of showing the necessary baseline traits, that'll be big for these guys. What uh, you you mentioned Malik Willis. And um, the other thing that some of these guys, like a Malik Willis, uh, Hal, I can think of, yeah. uh, some of these guys that this will be like their first time really in what I would consider an NFL offense too, right? I mean, this will give some of these guys, well, like a Malik Willis who wasn't necessarily playing with NFL talent, you'll also be able to see these guys processing NFL type systems too, right? Yeah, yeah. There's going to be a little bit of that, especially in seven on sevens and during the actual game, too. It's a, it's a bit limited. You know, a lot of most of the work that we're going to see and then I'm going to watch personally during the week is just kind of drills like one on ones for wide receivers and corners and how they, you know, anticipate timing, how they, you know, just their mechanics. Can they deliver the ball accurately? So you really see, you know, it's just a little bit of time in the game. And even then, like the quarterbacks are rotating in and out. So some of them only get a couple drives and then it's on to the next guy. So you don't see a lot, but it's enough exposure. And I'm sure they'll do some whiteboard work off the behind the scenes, too, where teams are going to look at how they kind of process those schemes and how quickly they can work through it on the whiteboard. And, you know, are they seeing what they need to see? 
how much of a leap is there going to be when they reach the NFL level. So that aspect, that's present too. You know, it's, it's a lot of little things kind of mixed together. And that's what makes the Senior Bowl so great of an event is that you can see a lot in a short window. You know, you can't see everything and, you know, they can't improve everything. But it's an opportunity, especially for a quarterback like we remember Josh Allen. You know, he d- definitely was really rough around the edges coming out. But he convinced the Bills, at least, that there was enough there mentally to build around and develop. And to, so proving that you have that mental capacity off the field is really big. And I think teams are going to be looking for that, especially in this class. We t- we talked often about the – I know, um, Nate, you had asked me um, some questions that you had yeah yeah Ian I got a few questions I'm gonna have for you um so it really puts you on the spot so I hope I love it it'll, it'll be okay okay so first one and maybe uh, Doug can answer this one too um but I wanted to know which former Georgia Bulldog is going to be the best value in the draft because we talk a lot about Georgia some of these guys are first round talent players, but they don't get a full allotment of snaps like other players would because they rotate so much and there's so much talent going around. So who, who's your guy that you think is going to be the best draft day value? That's a really fun one, actually, because there's so many guys that come to mind, man. Like I'm thinking about it, you know, Channing Tindall is one that comes to mind. Uh, I, I look at him because you talk about a guy that's not always on the field on 100 percent of the snaps. That's him because I know Quay Walker and, and Kobe Dean, they take a lot of the reps at linebacker. They don't always have three guys on the field. But when Tyndall's on the field, man, he's a heat-seeking missile uh, in the box. He's super, super uh, fast-paced as a player, which I love that. Sometimes a little reckless with that fast pace, but, you know, it's something that it it can be a little hard to teach. You love it when a guy just comes in 100%, guns blazing. He definitely does that. He's very explosive. I think he had like a 39-and-a-half-inch vertical out of high school. So definitely has the testing numbers. He's going to test very well. That, and, that's the backup to Dean, right? He's yeah, the, that's Tyndall. That's the middle number, linebacker. Yeah, number 41. If you see number 41 flash, that's Channing Tyndall. So he's a guy that I think, you know, I do think he's definitely not quite as developed as Dean mentally. Like you look at Dean and how he processes and how he commands that defense. He's definitely kind of the, the guy that makes the engine keep running, right? You know, Tyndall's kind of more of that reactive linebacker. That's why when we talk about whether Washington should take a guy, you know, I love Tyndall, but you need a guy who can handle Mike responsibilities early, I think, if you're going to get a guy. I'm not sure Tyndall is that guy, but I do think for a team that, you know, needs that reactive guy, that outside linebacker who can just run and chase and, you know, close gaps in the instant, I really think Tyndall in round three or, you know, he might rise into round two. I mean, he's going to test really well. I think he'll flash at the senior bowl. So we'll see. But, you know, he's got the traits to rise. But anywhere on day two, could go on to be an impact starter. So he's probably my top answer. Nolan Smith would have been one, but he went back. So yeah. uh, that's that. It is what it is. Jordan Jordan Davis, the nose tackle. That's one where I think we'll be on the opposite spectrum. Someone's going to draft a nose tackle round one or early round two. And, you know, if that's a schematic fit for you, great. But uh, having a guy who's usually, you know, his primary utility is two snaps in, you know, that might not be the best value deal. But if I had to pick one, it would be Channing Tindall, but there's some other candidates too. George Pickens was on his way after his freshman year to being a solid first round number one receiver. I mean, the injury set him back just a little bit and some of the off the field kind of maturity issues. I mean, he's a second rounder still there, right? And somebody's going to get a steal in the second round or no, you think he falls to the third? 
I think, you know, once he tests, I think he'll I think he'll rise. I think someone's gonna take him day two. Because the talent is undeniable, right? I mean, especially you the first thing you get drawn to is the the play down the field when the ball is in the air. Great ball tracking ability, great athleticism to contort and control himself. But you know, I think he has the athleticism to translate as a route runner too. I think he still needs development there. I don't think he's a, a polished product in that phase. But I do like the potential that's there, the overall athletic profile. So I think someone's going to bank on him day two. I don't think he's a round one guy right now. Uh, I would have liked to see him have a full season to show more growth over a longer period of time, some more linear growth. We didn't quite see that, but there is enough raw talent there for someone to say, hey, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism. I can develop this guy, I'll let him mold in my offense and you know, take him early on. So I, I think he could be one too. The, I think the big thing for him is going to a good situation because like you said, off the field, you know, maybe go to a coaching staff that knows how to like, you know, appeal to him and, and coach him up. I mean, it's it's different. And I want to see the, I don't want to say he's a bad competitor or anything because we've seen him, you know, when he's blocking, he definitely puts in the effort there. You know, some guys, you just, some guys are just young. They need a little maturation. And I think Pickens is one of those guys, you know, Hey, I, I was a college student like two years ago. I know, I know what the deal is when you need maturation. So, you know, it, it's something everyone goes through. So I'm not going to knock a guy for it. I think you look at the talent that's there, you know, you look you're circling him on day two as a guy, you know, he could potentially provide round one production down the road. If you can put him in the right role. Real quick, Nick, since you opened the door, let me ask this one before we get off the Georgia guys. Tell me about James Cook and where the league sees him. Because in my mind, that's like the league should be salivating over a guy like that, right? I mean, he put on 15 pounds while he was at Athens and really started running up the middle more, but yet is maybe a polished route runner as anybody in the draft. Yeah, he's definitely a high-level receiver. I mean, might be the best receiving back in the class, honestly. And you look at him, you know, a little undersized for the, for the position from a weight perspective, but he doesn't run like it. There, You see him going up the middle sometimes. He'll be breaking tackles. He'll be churning his legs through contact, which I love to see. And then, you know, I think he has the vision, the explosiveness to maximize those holes. So I'm a big fan of James Cook. I know my guy Ali is too. He did his report over at PFN. But um, he'll he'll be a, a really nice one to watch because if you look at that receiving utility, what they provide in the passing phase that's becoming more and more important in the modern NFL. So I think we look at that. I think you could argue that he's the best one in the class. I can think of a couple more that might challenge him at the top of my head. But I, I me personally, for specializing in that role, I think James Cook is at the top and it's other people trying to catch up with him. So I'm a big fan of the athletic profile, you know, the, the physical mentality beyond his size. Even if he isn't like a huge guy, he at least can break some tackles and, and kind of withstand contact. So I'm a big fan, especially if he goes to the right place, if he can maximize his ability as a pass catcher, then um. Yeah, he'll provide a ton of value. I'm a big th this running back class as a whole, man. Like, there's so many names filtering in my head, and some guys that are going to be at the Senior Bowl, so we can kind of get a better look at them. But uh, it's a very deep class. May not have a, a top end guy that I take in round one, but a, a lot of guys that have value on day two, early day three, that maybe you get in that rotation and down the line, they can become very cost effective starters. And I think James Cook is one of those guys. Yeah, I tell you what, like pass catching running backs have such a high floor. I mean, mm -hmm. I think about like. Chris Evans or Gainwell last year, uh, you knew they weren't going to go like early, right? But you knew like because of that route running ability, uh, they were going to go and they were going to make an impact right away. As long as you can pass protect, I mean, yeah. you're going to get out there. Every guy can run, you know, every running back can run. Like that's that's obvious. But if you can run routes, catch the ball, I mean, that, that's a big deal. But let's pass, pass protection is big too, like you said, because I know like care. it's something we don't think about, right? But if you're a coach, mm -hmm. you're like, hey, third down, you might not be running a route, but I need you to protect my quarterback if you're out there. If you can't do that, 
then that might knock you down the board. That's one reason why Kenneth Walker, some people have him as their RB1. I don't because, you know, as much as I think he might be the best pure runner in the class, but you look at what he provides on passing downs, still very much a projection as a receiver and really was not good, not effective when he was pass blocking. I think he has the frame and the tools to do it, but it's very much a work in progress right now. If you're a coach looking at like, hey, what can you provide me as a, from a pass blocking perspective on day one, you know, to, to stay on the field on third down, you need to be able to provide that just in case you're not getting the football. If you want, if you want to look at a guy who's very good at pass protection, uh, Kyron Williams, Notre Dame, mm-hmm. he puts on clinics, man. So you know, you got to have the want to, you got to have the leverage, the, the positioning. You know, there's a lot that goes into it, but that is something that coaches take into account. And if you can't do that, then it kind of impedes you from from taking all three downs early on in your career. No, absolutely. Uh, I love that. Okay. So this is right up your wheelhouse too. this question. Um, so, you know, historically like safeties are undervalued, especially in round one, you don't typically see a lot of them go. Do, do you see the safety position evolving at all, becoming more valuable or do you see that trend continuing? Because I know personally, I think safety, especially like a free safety, a deep safety that can do multiple things. I think their value is slowly increasing. And I think slowly like inside linebackers are starting to decrease because I think these safeties are on the field all the time and they just that you have to it's a matchup game and you have to have these chess pieces that can counteract that so what do you think about that oh yeah absolutely I mean as a defense I mean you look at what offenses are throwing out there much more multiplicity in the modern NFL where they're throwing different looks at you they're using motion you got to be able to adapt and I think having a safety a versatile safety out there that can adapt and perform multiple roles in a given play you know like let's say he's he's too high and all of a sudden they show different look you need him to go to single high and cover a lot of ground you know having a guy who can do that and have multiple roles within a you know a single profile is it's very valuable and i think you look at a guy i think you were kind of leading into this but looking at a guy like kyle hamilton right who can do all those things six foot four 220 can go single high too high can go into the box can be that star guy you know i think you look at a guy like that if you can perform multiple roles then that puts that alleviates a lot of pressure from a defense. You don't have to mix and match. You have a guy who can do multiple things. So I think looking at the offensive revolution and offenses are starting to kind of mix and match and kind of put defenses in a bind, you know, having a guy who can do multiple things in one player is very valuable. So I've always been a fan of that versatility. You know, it's something I factor into my evaluation, whether you can do different things because you might be asked to do something different post-snap than you were on your pre-snap look. And you got to be able to adapt quickly, you know, not only mentally, but also physically be able to take on different responsibilities. So I think, uh, especially with all the big plays that are being generated, the safety is quite literally the safety blanket for that kind of aptly named, you know, you got to be able to stop those. So me personally, I've always felt that it was a little undervalued. And I think we're slowly starting to see that. I think the big, the big, um, you know, what's, what's the word? The barometer for that is how high Kyle Hamilton goes. You know, if he goes in the top 10, then maybe we're starting to see that shift. But if he falls out of the top 10, maybe it's an indicator that teams still haven't quite reached the curve on that. But I'm I'm willing to bet he goes top 10. I think there's too much talent there. We'll see what happens. You never know. Derwin James went 17th overall, uh, but then Sean Taylor, he went very high too. So Don't don't bring up the name Derwin James because he could have been on our team right now. Uh, you know what? The last time uh, two safeties went high, I think it was Earl Thomas and Eric, Eric Berry. They were in the yeah. same draft class, right? And I mean, both of them went on to have sustained success, but who knows? Uh, so next question, uh, who, who's the guy that right now he's projected to go on day two, but once he tests and goes to the combine and just balls out, 
you could see him jumping into round one. Last year, the obvious example that we also don't really want to talk about too much is Jamin Davis. Uh, Jamin yeah. Davis, all year, he was projected to be about a round three pick or a round four pick. And uh, all of a sudden, he was a round one pick. So, and, and it, tell me, you can't tell me it wasn't because of testing. That played, that played a huge part. But who's your guy this year you think is going to make that big jump? Yeah, it was absolutely because of testing. And, you know, I, I'm going to own it. You know, I was a little too bullish once I saw those testing numbers come out. I mean, anytime I see a guy run a 4-4, have like a 40-inch vertical, like his size, right? You're like, okay, this is pretty fun, right? But there's a lot more that goes into playing football than athleticism. So you look at that and you're like, well, I mean, you know, you got you to take it into account. You got to reevaluate and you got to, you know, kind of put it in the chamber next year. So as for this year, guys that I think might test very well and rise into round one, I don't want to use round one as a, as a specific barrier because I know like there's a lot that goes into it. I know one guy that I've been very high on is Kyler Gordon, Washington corner. Um, I think that he's he's six foot two hundred. His his teammate Trent McDuffie gets a little more hype right now and deservedly so. I think McDuffie's a phenomenal player too. But Kyler Gordon is going to test out of this world. He's going to have an over forty inch vertical. He's going to run very fast. He's going to have absurd agility numbers at six foot two hundred. And then this past year was his best season. We saw him coming into the box and enforcing against the run. We saw him making plays on the ball. You know, he's got the ball skills, you know, can can improve some parts of his game, uh, the discipline and zone. But I really love the efficiency and motion that he provides. It definitely translates with his athleticism. You look at the numbers and go back to the tape and you're like, this guy's got it, right? So I think Kyler Gordon is one of those guys, uh, Washington corner. I'm trying to think of more in my head right now but uh, i was i would have said david ajabo but he's already in the top 15 top 10 conversation right now we've seen you know usually those athletic guys the cream always rises to the top you know and i think that's what we've seen this year some freak athletes who've really kind of taken the next step in their development and uh, i think that yeah he's an athletic freak man he's he's crazy and uh he he used to do like ballet and dancing too so that really it's crazy it sounds crazy but it really helped his efficiency and motion you know, moving on the field, he's very fluid. He's very effortless as a, as a mover. And so I love that about corners, especially in man coverage. You need to match guys, you know, in an instant. And he really does that. So I think he's a guy who could rise into round one with that testing. There's a few others that come to mind, but I don't think they go round one. I know Boye Mafe, Minnesota edge rusher, is another guy who's going to be a freak. He's going to, uh, he reportedly has a four, five, seven, forty, and a 40 and a half inch vertical at six four, two sixty. 260. He's now 265. But uh, it shows up on tape, too. And he's a smart guy. He's a process-oriented dude. Uh, you listen to him in press conferences, love how he talks. Uh, he definitely understands situational pass rushing. So I love that for my edge rushers. Uh, so he's a guy, once he tests, could see him kind of enter that round one range, too. And, and we've seen, you know, this year, Odafe Owa for the Ravens. You bank on traits, especially the edge rusher position. So I think, you know, if Mafe gets that, he's got the size, he's got the power, and then the elite athleticism on top of that. Those are a few guys on defense. If I think of any on offense, I'll, I'll fire them off. But I know the wide receiver group, there's a lot of guys in the round one conversation right now. So it's tough for me because, like, I can't say he's not in it, you know, and he will be with testing. There's a lot of different guys in there. So it's it's a fun class. I think those are two that stand out to me. Yeah, I think Dotson could be one that maybe, like, some people are saying he'll go in round one. Some people aren't. But yeah. with his size, he's really going to have to test pretty crazy. Like, just yeah. his profile is kind of interesting. I mean, he didn't really – do anything and then his senior year he just exploded was a really complete receiver reminded me kind of a little bit like doug baldwin like his size i was he like he's like 511 one yeah he so might he's not be a, like 
he might be a little shorter, but yeah, yeah. I, that's a that's a pretty good comp for him. He, you you see him leap up for those those tough passes. He definitely has the vertical athleticism. He can rise really yeah. easily. You know, playing with Sean Clifford, there's some throws that kind of got left on the table for him. So yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of played into it. But I'm I'm a fan of his, and definitely if he tests really well, which I think he should, he seems pretty explosive and shifty, and and has that leaping ability that could you know seal the deal but we've already seen him in the round one conversation so that's the thing with these wide receivers every team has a different preference so you never quite know where guys are going to go it's, it's really interesting we uh we did some uh mock drafts and we'll get to those but let's let's do this how many quarterbacks do you think end up going first round um because it's it's not the class that i think most people were hoping for um, you think we'll still see a bunch go in the first just because of the quarterback value? I do. Yeah, I, I think four or five, me, for, for my estimation right now. And it seems surprising, right? You know, especially with a weak class like this. But if I'm, I'm pulling up the order right now, like I remember I was running through it the other day and it's like, I can see at least five or six teams that definitely need a quarterback right now and could consider a guy. And so like, I don't think that four or five are worth taking in round one. I definitely don't think that, but you, you look at the senior bowl and how five or no, I think, yeah, five of the potential six first round guys are going to be there, you know, excluding Corral. You know, I don't think Ritter should be in the conversation. I'm pretty low on him personally, but, you know, I, I'm not going to deny that if he has a good performance, if he shines off the field, which he will, they're all pretty high character guys. You don't really hear any whispers about any of them. Right. So we've we've seen it before teams kind of falling in love with the traits and then if the guy has the mental traits on top of that you know he meshes with them from a character perspective that can be enough for teams to kind of you know get into bidding wars with guys and kind of like try and fight for them so i you know i can't i can't say for sure what the number is but i can tell us i can tell people right now like i'm pretty sure more than we expect they're going to go just because the quarterback position the positional value it really inflates that number and teams fall in love with guys you know they they go to the senior bowl they get to see him in person see the traits see the character and like hey i want that guy in my locker room i think i can make something out of that guy sometimes they can't but they think they can anyway and you know who can who can blend them right we've seen projects work out before i'm always skeptical with some guys especially ritter when you look at him like four years into his starting career still has the same issues that he had a few years ago with mechanics and then you know his accuracy so you know, it's not for me to say, but NFL teams, they look at guys differently. All of them look at guys differently. So especially the senior bowl, I think that's a place where they can win over NFL scouts. And from there, it can just kind of be a positive feedback loop where it drives them up the board, especially when you take the uh, positional value into account. You know, for me, it's uh, it's kind of a it's kind of an equation that's going to result in at least four going in round one. I think that's how it is. We used the PF and uh, mock draft simulator. Uh, let's see. And who did uh, you guys start off with at 11? Yeah. So I started off with Kenny Pickett on, on hey. PFN. He always, he always is available at 11. I, I think, you know, if, if Denver can't get a quarterback in free agency or via trade, I think Kenny Pickett is a lock there. I, there's no way he doesn't go there. Yeah. And I'm thinking after the senior bowl, we'll bump some of those guys up. I think right now it's, it's kind of a representation of where they are relative to the class. But we always see guys kind of get moved up as the process unfolds, right? Especially teams are, again, you know, it's just the positional value. So I feel like after the Senior Bowl, we're going to have some moving up to do uh, for those guys, especially Pickett, because I think you look at him, as long as the hand size checks out, you know, you could argue that he's probably the safest guy in this class. You know, the, the talk is, you know, regarding what his upside, what his ceiling is. But especially if you're Washington, needing a guy to start right away, probably to stay competitive. 
you know, I think Pickett probably matches their needs best. Ian, who did you have at 11 there? Is that you had the same thing? I was going to. I was going to. I, I knew that would be the on-brand thing for me to do, uh, but I wanted to – I was trying to address different possibilities, so I went with Malik Willis, um, and I, I wouldn't take him quite that high personally. I still think there's a lot to clean up. I do think, though, in the right situation, he could go on to reach you know, his, his ceiling, which I think is pretty high. I think you look at the athleticism. I think he had a 4.5 and a 38-inch vertical registered on Feldman's Freaks, so he definitely has that off-script ability, and I think his arm is pretty strong. He can drive it down the field. We've seen him roll out to his right and, and kind of shove it down the, down the field outside the numbers, you know, hit those t- tight windows. So he has the physical traits. It's just a matter of, you know, he creates a lot of unneeded chaos for himself going out of the pocket when he doesn't have to. You know, he's not very refined from a, you know, processing standpoint. You know, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for him. But I think if you're looking at, you know, what a good situation for him is going to be, a place where he has a steady O-line, I think Washington, you know, they have some holes to address, but they do have depth across the board. I do think that they're not one of the worst there, you know, and they've proven like I know Schweitzer and Flowers, you know, those guys have proven to be capable guards, especially if Sheriff leaves. Samuel Cosme showed some growth in year one, so maybe that'll translate to year two. Um, and then wide receiver, you got Terry McLaurin, you've got hopefully Diami can take on that second year leap. And uh, if you get a guy in the on day two, I got a wide receiver in with my second rounder. So if you can get a guy there too, you know, that can help out even more. So I you know, it's not a perfect situation, but I think it's one of the better ones out there when you're looking at who needs a new QB. Um, maybe, you know, play Taylor Heineke for a little bit and then ease Willis into it. And you might reap the rewards down the road because he, he's able to get more comfortable, able to acclimate. And then his traits will shine through. You know, that, that's one of the possibilities out there. I do think they probably go with a guy like Pickett or Howell uh, or yeah, I would say strong, but they want mobility. So probably not strong, but someone who can start a little earlier. But I do think the upside is high enough with Willis that if they like what they see at the Senior Bowl, uh, he'll be on the radar. I have been told that if Pickett somehow fell to 11, that they would take Pickett at 11, that, that, that they're high on that. I mean, I don't know that that's any some great mm-hmm. revelation there. Uh, but I do I do know they like Malik Willis. I, I wonder if that's an opportunity to move back from 11 to, say, you know, 18, 20, where Malik Willis, like, I don't think he makes it to the second round, but in the 20s, I think he provides a much better value yeah. than he does at, at 11. I had, I had, also, I think they're going to try to spend that first round pick before the draft to get a quarterback. That That's my understanding that they will work very hard to do that. But for for the sake of this uh, exercise, at 11, I, I took uh, Williams, the receiver from Alabama, because I, I also think they'd love to, be able to improve the weapons around that. whoever's there. Yeah. So, because I think he'd have been there. I think he'd have been the pick at eleven if and he hadn't got hurt. Yeah. And I don't think in this day and age. I mean, does an ACL knock you when you have that kind of talent? Yeah. I, I doubt it. Nowadays, yeah, not even Achilles will stop you from playing right away. Yeah. Maker showed us. I know, dude. That's crazy, honestly. But yeah, I mean, you look at Jameson. You know, when he's healthy, definitely the talent is transcendent, man. I mean, I it was really close it's for him. For me, it's Garrett Wilson and him competing for wide receiver one. Uh, I think that Jameson Williams. You know, he has some areas to refine in his game, but that long strider speed that he has, he can just he can go zero to one hundred in the blink of an eye and stretch the field and just destroy tackling angles. I love that. But then he's also got potential as a route runner. He's got really good hip sync. We've seen that from him. Not quite a technician, but the upside is definitely there. So I I would be all for that if they decide 
they don't like a quarterback. That's that's kind of the key variable in here. You know, who's available and who do we like? But we'll see what happens down the road with that. PFF, the the simulator had N'Kobe Dean like available in the 20s. Most of the drafts I did getting ready for this. Does that surprise you? I mean, do you think he's an option at 11? We talked about this a little bit last week. I'm just curious your thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, I was um, I was on another Washington pod and I said something similar. For, first off, with the sim, you know, it's it's interesting because what we do, what we try to do with the simulation is, you know, keep all available probabilities on the table. So uh, sometimes you're going to have things that kind of look odd that happen, and that's just because we want to keep it as open and flexible as possible. Because just like the NFL draft, we have no idea what's going to happen right now. So it's kind of you know we don't want to lock ourselves in. I, I, on one hand, I could see Nicobe falling, but on the other hand, he's my LB1. I think he's got a very, very strong skill set. The one reason I probably wouldn't take him for Washington, and I said this on a recent pod, is that, you know, if you're Washington and if you're you're in nickel a lot, you're taking one linebacker off the field. So who's it going to be? You know, it's probably not going to be Cole Holcomb because he's been pretty good so far. Uh, it's probably not going to be, you know, I wouldn't take it's not going to be Dean if you draft him because you want him to be on the field. He's your mic, right? And, and I wouldn't want to take Jamin Davis off the field yet. You know, I think if you do that, you risk suffocating his development this early on. Like, don't get me wrong. He didn't have a great rookie year, but he's still got the upside. You know, I wouldn't want to take him off the field and, and just declare that a miss right now. See if you can kind of, you know, restart, rehash and, and kind of clean more progression from him. So I think me personally, I, I would rather get a veteran in free agency, someone who can work with Jamin Davis and help him grow. Uh, while he stays on the field, right? I mean, from a pure player perspective, I love Nicobe Dean, so I wouldn't be averse to it there, but just how it fits and how he interacts with Jamin, you know, I think there could be some complications there. Let's move to the second pick at uh, 42. Uh, Michael, I I love that for Malik Willis, Atlanta. The only thing, I think Atlanta might spend that pick because they have a lot of holes elsewhere, but I do love that situation for him. And And I'm not sure that Matt Ryan can go back. Right. Yeah. I mean, they'd have to do some crazy restructuring there just because it's a forty-eight million dollar cap hit next year, and uh, so basically, if they're going to trade him, they'd have to eat a lot of that cap to trade him. But uh, Arthur Smith loves Matt Ryan. The ownership loves Matt Ryan. Uh, the other thing you got to think about scheme. Like, does Malik Willis yeah. fit into Arthur Smith's scheme? Because the most important part of his scheme, it's not the bootlegs. The bootlegs are a big part. Malik would be awesome at that. It's the uh, the deep in cuts and the intermediate passing game. That's what Tan. The, the only thing Tannehill is really good at is those deep in cuts with AJ with AJ Brown. And I don't feel like that's really Malik's game. Um, but okay, so second round, we're on to second round. So on to the I, second round. I uh, I went with uh, I traded back a little bit because of course I always want to do that. But yeah, I don't want to butcher his name. But is it Wandale? Is that how you say it? I think it's Wandale. 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 Okay. Yeah. Wandale Robinson. I went with Wandale Robinson because I don't think Washington needs speed at receiver. I think they have three guys who can run a four four or four three. So I think what they really need is a guy who can create quick separation and then create after the catch. And that's supposed to be what Curtis Samuel was allegedly supposed to do but I, who knows if he's going to be available but they don't have a true slot receiver and i think uh rob i think robinson could do a lot of that and you know especially if they have a quarterback with a limited arm like heineke i think he'd be a perfect fit they they rank in the bottom five in yak per reception so they, they typically do because they don't have very good skill players if you want yak get wando i mean that guy he's a run after catch phenom i mean i, I love that part of his game I went and we talked about him earlier, uh, uh, conveniently enough, but I went Jahan Dotson in round two. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that, you know, I think if, especially if you're looking for a young quarterback, I think with his skill set, 
you know, the, the term that I like to use is three level threat. Can they separate? Can they create before the catch? Can they create at the catch by, you know, leaping vertically and, and kind of controlling their body in the air, tracking it with their hands? And can they create after the catch with some slippery run after catch ability? I think Jahan Dotson is pretty solid all around in that area. So I think that you look at him could be a nice target for a young quarterback. I think he provides a little bit more of that vertical element. I think Wandale is the better run after catch threat. So if you're looking for that, that's definitely the way to go. But I think Dotson is solid in all those areas. So gives you a dynamic threat who can help out, provide some more depth, and maybe allow Diami to play off of him and you know create some create some chemistry there. The uh, the safety Brisker from Penn State was still available, so I took him. I like that. Uh, because they, I, I know they're going to try to bring back McCain, but an upgrade is always necessary. And frankly, with we talked about this earlier, the way the the league is moving, you need more safeties, really, than you do linebackers almost at this point uh, to be able to cover all these slots and tight ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Carson Strong was still there, uh, and so I thought about that there because although they have continuously said they. Uh, like the quick twitch quarterbacks that can move. I know that if the medicals check out on Carson Strong, uh, just from a pure quarterbacking standpoint, he he's up there at the top, and, and I think we'll start moving up. It's just the the, the knee, I think, yeah. which which scares people. And that's that's why we have him a little lower in the sim is because that's still kind of an uncertain point. So if it does prove to be an issue with the NFL Combine, that could bump him down, right? And so that's the scenario where he is available in round two. If he is there. You know, I think if you're Washington, I think it's cost effective enough because to me, he's one of the most pro ready quarterbacks in the class. If you can protect him, you know, he's a good processor. He's poised in the pocket. He's got the big arm to fit it into tight windows. You know, I think if you look at that, if you're ranking these guys based on how competitive you can be with them early, strong is near the top of the list. So if you're Washington, that's what you're looking for. Could be an option. The, the knee is the big variable, though. So we'll see what happens. I think I think I think it was La Confora I had on a couple of weeks ago that said, if, if there wasn't ever a knee problem, that he'd be a top five pick and that teams would be drooling over what he's capable, particularly from a mental standpoint and the arm. Yeah, uh, the big but, thing but the knee is, is a thing, right? Yeah, it's a thing. That, yeah, that's what's keeping him back. But he definitely, you know, the, the impressive part with him is he goes through pre-snap. You know, he can change protections. He can do that stuff. He has a lot on his plate for a young guy. So you love to see that. And he's shown that he can process. Sometimes he doesn't see safeties and kind of tries to force it into windows. So got to work on that, but definitely has the capacity, you know. So if the knee checks out, we're looking at a bona fide first rounder for sure, I think. All right, let's move on to the third round. Yeah, so right here, I just went uh, Brandon Smith. Um, so Brandon Smith, I just, you know, linebacker you, you could, we definitely need a linebacker. I, I would never spend a first round pick on a linebacker. I just don't think it's a valuable position. Um, even though I think this year two guys will go in round one, but I thought Brandon Smith, he showed some upside. Uh, any any guy from Penn State, I, I just assume he's going to be a freak athletically. And I, I assume he's going to develop down the road. And that's kind of just like what it, it happens over and over with all these guys, different positions, Chris Godwin, your OA, who, whoever it is, they always just seem to like come out of nowhere, just turn into freak athletes. I don't know what's in the water down there. Maybe, maybe Ian knows that better than me, but. I, I wish I did, man. Cause I mean, like even the guys that are coming out this year, I mean, Smith, Jaquan Brisker is a great athlete too. You know, I think there's just, there's so many guys, man. It's, it's Penn state. It's something about them. Arnold at the at edge too. I mean, I don't know what it is, but you know, credit to their athletic training program because they're always pushing out great athletes. Um, 
I would have loved to go another Penn State guy here. If I could draft four Penn State guys, I would have. But, you know, I, I didn't have any available, so I went with Baylor. Uh, I actually went kind of an interesting route. I went with Baylor defensive back. Uh, I like him as the uh, hybrid star position in the NFL, kind of that slot linebacker type. But Jalen Petrie, uh, he's a little undersized for the linebacker position, but you put him in the slot. Yeah, Brandon Smith's a freak athlete. There's there's um there's a clip from the Ohio State game of him running down Jackson Smith and Jigba from behind. You know, so having that range in pursuit, he definitely has that. A little rough between the uh, you know, he's got to work on his eyes, the eye discipline for sure. But he's definitely a high upside guy. You know, it's someone that you want to get in, develop, and can really turn dividends for you down the road. But going back to uh, Jalen Petrie, this is a guy who is you know, I think right away can be a tone setter, an impact player for your defense. Like I said, a little undersized, around six foot two hundred, might be a little under two hundred. But the guy plays with uh, with a rocket in his you know in his shoes, man. He's just going at one hundred percent all the time. Uh, he's mainly a slot guy, so I, I like him going to the slot, allowing Kendall Fuller and William Jackson to stay on the boundaries. You know, put Jalen Petrie in the slot. He has a bit of a projection in man coverage. He didn't have a ton of man coverage reps in college football. It was more you know a lot of zone and sometimes kind of rotating in as a blitzer. So there's going to be a projection there, but the uh, the play style can be super disruptive, can rotate in alongside Davis and Holcomb, a lot of versatility that you're getting with him. And the reps that he did have in coverage, he showed really nice recovery and range when he was chasing guys down. He's got ball skills. I think that, you know, as long as you refine the, uh, the footwork, the man coverage ability and develop there, you're looking at a very, very strong player who, you know, he plays uh, with 100% energy all the time. He's a smart, instinctive guy in the box can uh, you know generate plays for loss like nobody's business so i'm a big fan of jalen petrie i think he can be kind of a glue guy for your defense so for a defense that kind of needs that i think you know it's a solid investment in round three and it's interesting you brought that up too because it doesn't get talked about nearly enough for washington uh aspect the nickel is not you know they need a nickel unless i don't did you did you have benjamin st juice being able to translate to the nickel when he came out last year because i didn't I kept hearing that and I was thinking, what are we watching here? Cause I, yeah. I didn't see it at all. Like, it's something I would keep my mind open to with any, like his coaches, like they're, they, they definitely dive into this stuff deep, but he definitely, I think translated better to the boundary. So, yeah. yeah. I had, uh, since I hadn't taken one before, this is where I picked up the kid uh, from what, what is it? Western Michigan. Is it Zappy? Uh, Western Kentucky, Bailey. Kentucky. Zappy. Yeah. Yeah. I have him here. Tell us a little, have you looked at him at all? Tell me a little bit about him. Cause this is a name that I hear is going to start moving faster and faster as we get to the actual draft. Yeah. He's a guy, I haven't watched the all 22 on him yet. Uh, I haven't gotten around to that, but I do know enough about him to kind of talk about him a little bit. I remember uh, he played my team, Michigan state. I live like 15 minutes from East Lansing. So I get all the okay. games, but he played us and um, yeah, he was going toe to toe with us the whole game. Uh, he's got a bit. He's got an NFL frame. He's he's more of a pocket passer type, but inside the pocket, he can manage those lanes and he can you know he can see the field really well. Uh, I, I do think that you know the arm isn't. It's not the level of Carson Strong. It's it's kind of an average arm, maybe a little bit above average. You know enough to stick around as a backup, I think. But he's tough. He's poised. I love the toughness about him. You know he got injured in that state game, but he just kept coming back in. He kept he kept trying to drag his team back, and he did. I was a little scared for a little bit because they were coming back. They were dishing up points all night. So he definitely has that. You know, he's got that toughness, that poise in the pocket, and I think he has pretty good mechanics too. The big thing with him gauging where he's going to go and what his upside is is the physical traits. You know, I don't think he's a great athlete, and the arm to me doesn't consistently pop. 
But, you know, other teams might have a different evaluation of that. I think he's smart enough. I think he's tough enough where he could maybe be a good spot starter. But I think he's more of that long-term backup down the road. But if you're Washington, if you have good protection and you have weapons, maybe could make him work for a little bit. He's an interesting player for sure. The the opinions are going to be wide-ranging on him. I can't wait to get to the All-22 so I can speak more to his processing and how he reads the field and whether he's translatable. Don't have that information yet, unfortunately. But, you know, from a cosmetic, from a service level standpoint, he's an interesting player. And we only went four rounds on this thing. And people ask all the time why you do these things. And But it's a great way to get names out there and information and take a look at guys. That's why I love doing these little mock drafts. So uh, we went four rounds this week. Um, Nate, who did you end up taking in the fourth round? Yeah, I'll make this real quick. Uh, and Ian wrote a profile on this guy, so Ian can talk about it more than I can. But And I don't know if I'm butchering the name. Is it Mikel, Mikel Wright, Oregon cornerback? Uh, I think it's Michael, Michael Wright. Mikel Wright. Michael just it's spelled differently. I, I'll be honest. I got to look up the pronunciation. So I think it's Mikel. I would go Mikel, but it could be I think Michael. it is Mikel. Yeah. He's kind of overshadowed, overshadowed a lot because they have some other big prospects on that defense. But, I mean, that defense was fantastic, and you don't get there without him. So I'd love to hear just – real. I know we're wrapping up real quick, so I'd love to hear your quick thoughts on him. Yeah, he's athletic. He's got speed. He can carry guys down the field, and he's got fluid hips. He's a little – he's not a super big guy. You know, I think his length is a little bit above average. Good proportional length, but he's kind of that he's, – he's not huge. He's not small. He's kind of in the middle tier size-wise, but I love the athleticism, the the fluidity, and the, the burst to follow guys down the field. And he's really competitive at the catch point, too. He can get a little over-physical sometimes, trying to compensate for that lack of size, but the want to is definitely there. I think he's a guy. He didn't have a great year, so he's going to fall on a few boards, but I think he's definitely got the talent to be an eventual starter, and especially if you're looking at a team that uses a lot of press. I think having that quick footwork, that explosiveness, and you know the physicality to jam guys when you need to, you know, th- those are big traits there. So I think he's a guy who's got the upside for sure. Who did you have here in the fourth round, Ian? Yeah, and I, I told the I told the guys about this one the other day because I was very excited about him. When I finished my profile on him, Baylor safety, JT Woods. I'm keeping the Baylor guys together. But uh, JT Woods is a – he just got added to the Senior Bowl roster. Really late addition, but I do think he's going to be rising on a lot of boards. He might not be there in, in round four when it's all said and done. But um, for now, he is. For now, he's kind of in that middle middle round range. I love this guy, man. He's so fun to watch. I mean, he's like 6'2", 193. Uh, he has track speed. He ran like a 10'6'4", 100-meter uh, oh, wow. dash in high school, which you look at some other guys. I think uh, John Ross ran a 10'6'6", which th- there's different types of speed, all right? John Ross has that, you know, short strider. He just kind of accelerates instantly, you know, so he was going to run faster in the 40. I don't think JT Woods is going to run anywhere near that in the 40. Probably like 4'3", or four mid four three right but still very good speed for that six two one 193 pound frame and he uses it very well he's very rangy on the back end can cover ground really well he's a long strider uh but then at the same time he can make plays downfield but he can also come up in the box and deliver some bone crunching hits i love that about him i think you know he's got to add a little bit of poundage to his frame if he's going to keep that going at the next level but the he definitely has the the urgency and the play style that physical play style where he's willing to come down be an enforcer but then also this year, he showed that he could recognize routes and jump on them and, and close ground really quickly and make plays on the ball. He had five interceptions this year. So he's a playmaker on that back end. I think that's exactly what Washington needs. So getting that safety, getting that guy who can clean things up and be that playmaker and kind of create momentum changing plays for defense. I think JT Woods is one of the guys that you can bank on in this class. So I'm a big fan of his. I think keeping Petrie and Woods together, especially having some chemistry on that defense, that could be big to kind of tying things together for them. 
both James Cook and Tyndall were available here. I had thought about that. Instead, I went with a former Bulldog. Cade uh, Mays was still here, who I think offers a lot of uh, uh, talent at guard here in this at that particular spot. Um, why do you like Cade Mays? I've seen a little bit of him. Ollie did his profile. I haven't had a chance to watch him in depth yet, but a big guy. I think he was highly touted as a recruit too. And then he has some smaller moments. I've seen yeah, him he's nasty. on Twitter. Yeah, he's nasty. You love your guys to be nasty. Proactively physical is the word I like to use. It's a little overcomplicated. I don't need to be that complicated all the time. But, you know, you like guys who have that authority and kind of set the tone right away, have that edge to him. I think Caden Mays at the very least has that. HBCU prospects will get drafted. I got a I got a running list. I have to talk to my guy James about it. But I think um Akil Glass is one guy who could get drafted. Um I think, you know, in terms of what you're looking at with those guys, um, I think he translates pretty well as a backup. I think he's, you know, mainly a pocket passer, not a dynamic athlete, but can at least work in structure and take what's given. He's pretty accurate. So I've caught a glimpse of, some glimpses of him and, and I like him. There's a few others that I'm kind of blanking on. Michael, I'll have to give you a list. I'll have to kind of compile one and get it and get it to you later on. But I got some guys kind of floating around in there. So Quickly before we wrap this thing up, I, it just I was thinking when we we're talking quarterbacks earlier, Sam Howell, you like him? It is he was this a product of just not having? I mean, all the weapons were gone this year. Um, you like him? You think he's a first rounder, or is that a guy that will be there at eleven? Or, you know, at forty two when Washington drafts in the second round? I think uh, I think he could be a first rounder. Uh, there's a lot of guys in this class. Like I'm not fully out on on many of them. You know, there's some that I'm a little lower on. Howell is kind of in that middle tier for me right now. He's my QB five, but you know, I, I, they're all pretty close together. They're all within 30 spots of one another. And I think that, you know, especially this season, you do have to kind of take into account the situation he played in. His offensive line was atrocious and it was bad in 2020 too. For some reason, all the, they all came back and it got worse in 2021. I don't know. I don't know how that happens, but it did. So you look at that with Howell, definitely, you know, he's under pressure a lot. Now I do think that he can respond to pressure better. He drops his eyes a lot and, and isn't quite that dynamic athlete to evade the pocket and get out into space. You know, he's a, he's a decent athlete, but not quite. I don't think he's going to catch test quite as well in the agility and explosiveness as Pickett does. So, you know, but again, I think he's got enough. He's just got to work on keeping his eyes up and, you know, improving his feel in the pocket. But, you know, when he keeps his eyes downfield, you know, there are some flashes and he's definitely, I think he has one of the better arms in this class, not an elite arm, but you know, you look at Pickett. Yeah. I, I like the elasticity with Pickett. I'm a little higher on his arm, but I do think Howells is better. He can kind of push that, carry that velocity down the field. He's a very good deep passer. I love that about him. And you look at with Diami Brown on this offense, two guys that have chemistry already. I could see that as a selling point personally. Uh, I do think there's going to be a little bit of, a, of an adjustment, but I think coming to an NFL team that has ready protection for you, has some weapons, has Diami Brown, that could be a, a big help. So I think Howell is one of those guys where, you know, if someone diagnoses and says he has enough tools and has that mentality, they're going to bank on him around one. I think he's one of the the, the guys that can kind of bank on that a little easier just because his arm is pretty good. I think it's like in the 80th percentile if I had to put a number on it. Uh, and then, you know, he's got some traits too. So he's shown in the past that he can produce. He produced early in his college career. I know Nate's a big fan of that. And it does it does speak to something, you know. It does speak to how quickly can you get that stuff under your belt, how quickly, how quickly can you see the field at a starter level. And he did that, right? So I think putting him in a better situation – could help them generate better numbers. We'll see, but I think someone's going to invest in that in round one for sure. Ian, you're one of the best, man. We appreciate your time today. Tell the folks what you got coming up next. I know you got stuff coming. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine on Twitter. Uh, PFN 365 is Pro Football Network. 
got more scouting reports, uh, a few more coming out, but mainly senior bowl content in the next week. Going to go over some of the position groups, some matchups to watch, and uh, we'll have practice reports all week next week talking about each individual player and how they performed. Going to have eyes on each position group. So it's going to be a fun time, a busy time, but uh, it's the best time of year. So always happy to come on and talk with you guys. Thanks, man. Enjoy mobile and uh, mobile and uh, have a safe trip. Yes, and sir. Nate, we'll you. see you next week. All right. Have a good one, guys. Yep. You too. Thanks, fellas.